Welcome to the First Baptist Cadillac podcast. First Baptist Cadillac is a growing intergenerational family of faith whose mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Join us each week as we engage God's word together. We would love to hear from you. Please contact us at firstbaptistcadillac.org or text WELCOME to 231-261-1112. Welcome to First Baptist Church as we continue the sermon series, The Fullness of Life, from John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it a little bit. No, to have it to the full. Um, an abundant life, some translations say, that is fruitful, it's victorious, and it is the life that God intends for every single one of his children. Don't buy into the lie that, well, an abundant or full life is just for some Christians. No, this is God's design. This is God's will for you, that you live a full and abundant life that is fruitful and victorious. And so far, we've looked at several key elements of this kind of life. It all begins with abiding in Christ, who is the vine. He is the vine. We are merely branches. And the key to fruitfulness is our connection to Jesus, the vine, which leads to the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, um, victory and the warfare of the Spirit. And this present episode, if you will, that we're in is the community of the Spirit. For the truth is that a full or abundant life is lived in biblical community. Can't do it on your own. You will not experience it in isolation or detachment from the church, from the people of God. If you want this full or abundant life that God intends for you, you must be in biblical community. And so the key phrase of our study is one another from the Greek alelon, which is used a, a staggering 100 times in 94 New Testament verses, which again tells us it's really, really important. And for this reason, one of the marks of a disciple of Jesus Christ that we continue to emphasize is that disciples are communal. The marks, again, their disciples are missional, accountable, reproducible. They are communal and scriptural. And by communal, we mean that they are intentional. They are intentional about living in biblical community. And that word intentional is so important because if you're not intentional, you're going to have all kinds of other things that compete for your attention and your time, and biblical community will fall by the wayside. It's so important that we are intentional about fulfilling these one another's of Scripture while living in biblical community. And so, so far, we've looked at two of these one another's. In week one, we kind of set the stage by talking about the fact that we are members one of another. We are a body. And when a member or a part of the body becomes detached from the body, two terrible things happen. Um, number one, that member of the body disconnected, it shrivels and dies. But number two, the body suffers because the body is counting on that particular member. Without that member, the body limps along far less than it could be or should be. And then um, last week, we talked about welcome one another, biblical hospitality. And today, we'll be challenged by um, uh, the biblical mandate to admonish one another, to admonish one another, which is found in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. This verse, it is so rich. It is so packed with meaning. Colossians 3, 16 says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts 
to God. Would you join me as we pray? Father, I thank you for this, this biblical truth, which is very countercultural, as most of them are. God, would you challenge us in our Western individualism, our detachment, our isolation, to again be intentional about biblical community and doing the hard things that you have called us to because these hard things are essential to us living and experiencing the full or abundant life. So open our hearts, our minds, our ears, take away all distractions, help us to dial in, to focus in. And God, I pray for your help this morning as I preach. God, may your Holy Spirit fill me even now and speak through me. I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Yeah. That word admonish, is that a word you use a lot? Not really. Not really. Um, it may not even be real familiar to some of you. You may say, admonish, what does that mean? Well, what it means, a simple dictionary definition, it means to caution, to advise or counsel against something, to reprove or even scold, especially in a mild and goodwilled manner to urge to a duty to remind. In short, it's the ministry of course correction. Of course correction. Anybody ever drift a little bit from where you know you should be? And maybe not a giant leap into some heinous sin, but a little bit of a drift. A little bit of a drift. We all do. But the truth of the matter is, and listen carefully, that even small amounts of drifting off course eventually have huge consequences. Can I say that again? Even small amounts of drifting off course eventually have huge consequences. Consider this. I found this to be fascinating. For every single degree that a pilot flies off course, they will miss the destination by 92 feet for every mile flown. Already some of your minds are like... I, I, I'm, blown by that already. Stay, stay with me, there's more. At that rate, for every 60 miles flown, the airplane will be off target one mile. Now, to put it on the grander scale, if the pilot started at the equator and the goal was to fly around the earth, if they're just, just one degree, just one degree off, the plane would land almost 500 miles off target. Ben, how's my math? Does that sound about right? <laughs> so what's the lesson of all of that? The longer that you travel off course, even if it's just one degree, even if it's just a little bit of a drift, the further you will be away from your intended target. And can I just say, no one ever, I don't believe, intends to have an affair. No one ever intends to be an addict. How do we get there? Little incremental drifts left unchecked that take us to some places that we never intended to go. And so the point of the matter is, we all need constant and continual course correction. And the ministry of admonishment is necessary to help us in this. And so when we are admonished, we're warned, all right? There's a, a big sign that pops up through our relationships, through people who speak to us, and they say, danger, danger, you're, you're drifting off course. 
And you need to take the necessary steps to course correct and get back on course, or else you're going to end up far from where you intended to be. And so with this in mind, we're going to look at two important aspects to admonishment and this important ministry that God has called us to within the church, within biblical community. Um, The two elements of this are the message and the ministry. The message of admonishment and the ministry of admonishment. And so let's first of all look at the message. Because here's the thing. Godly admonishment is not rooted in our subjective opinions. Godly admonishment is not rooted in our subjective opinions of how we think people should live their lives. And there's certainly no shortage shortage of those subjective opinions out there, is there? I mean, um, you probably have all kinds of people who are saying, "I I think you should do this. No, I think you should do this. No, really, you should do this. And it can get quite overwhelming, all these different voices and opinions about what people think that you should or should not be doing with your life. The fact of the matter is to truly admonish a brother or sister within the body of Christ, we need something much more than subjective opinions. We need something objective, much more solid and trustworthy than what we think or our opinions. Colossians 3.16 tells us what this is. Go back to that verse, and right at the very beginning it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Isn't that beautiful? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Because godly admonishment is not rooted in our subjective opinions of how we think people should live their lives. Uh, There's that verse that says um, something along the lines of, there is a way that seems right to a person. And there's a lot of that in our culture. And I would dare say there's even a lot of that in the church. There are ways that seem right in in our own, left to ourselves, in our own minds. We need something more than that. Rather, godly admonishment must be rooted in the message of the objective Word of God. But for that to happen, you're not going to be able to do that with some kind of skimming, superficial knowledge of God's Word. You have to have more. It says, the Word must dwell in us richly. To dwell, it means to be at home to be at home, or to to take up residence in. This is in contrast to someone who is just, just a visitor who's passing through. In contrast to that, the Word of God is to be make its permanent home in us. I love how the message reads. Let the Word of Christ have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Isn't that awesome? Now, what this means is that your ability to admonish richly is directly dependent upon the Word of God dwelling in you richly. Your ability to admonish richly is directly dependent upon the Word of God dwelling in you richly because, again, anything else is just subjective worldly opinion, which at the end of the day is nothing more than garbage. Now, are you familiar with the... the, G-I-G-O, what that stands for? G-I-G-O, what's it stand for? Garbage in, garbage out. The quality of information coming out cannot be better than the quality of information that went in. It's used in IT, it's used in mathematics. And what is true of a computer is even more true for us and the ministry of admonishment. Because when garbage goes into our brains and in our hearts, 
It's garbage that comes out. And when we spend all week, all week feeding on the garbage of the world through the eye gate, through the ear gate, through our hearts and the things that we voluntarily subject ourselves to, the messages that come in that are anti-Christ, that are anti-Scripture. We get in the car and mindlessly we turn on music that is anti-Christ, anti-truth, anti-Scripture. What that means is that our admonishment of others will be rooted in garbage that is simply the subjective opinions of the world. And you know what? In that circumstance, we may actually lead a brother or sister further off course. Further off course. When we share with them what seems right to us, but really it's simply rooted in the garbage that we've subjected ourselves and allowed to come into our lives, that's what comes out. We reap what we sow. But watch this. When Scripture goes in, watch what comes out. This is so cool. Back to Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Do you see the, the progression here? When the Word of Christ goes in, what comes out? Everything in green. Scripture goes in, and what comes out of us when we sow Scripture, what we reap is wisdom. Anybody need some wisdom? We certainly need an admonishment. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and thankfulness. Those are the things that come out in contrast to when we are taking in and filling our minds with the garbage of the world. Let's take just a moment to consider each of these elements that come out when Scripture goes in and how they relate to the ministry of admonishment. First of all, when the Word of Christ dwells in us richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Scripture goes in, wisdom comes out. Again, such a critical component when we are admonishing a brother or sister. Wisdom is defined as the ability to discern or judge what is true, right, or lasting. Let me say that again. Wisdom is defined as the ability to discern or judge what is true, right, or lasting. And so the Bible, you know what it calls wisdom? One of the most valuable treasures in all the world. You can have your gold. You can have your jewels. Give me wisdom. Proverbs 2 says so. Proverbs 2 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Can't think of anything better or more important or more valuable than that. And so it's true, and we've said this before, as a culture, we have never been richer in knowledge than we are right now, right? You've heard those stats about how the, the amount of information and knowledge exponentially, day after day, it just is exploding. We have all of this knowledge. We are so rich in it, but we're so poor in wisdom. And that's a really dangerous combination when you think of it. 
All this knowledge, all of this stuff that we can do with stuff that we know, but if we don't have the wisdom to know what to do with it, that's a big problem. Terribly dangerous. How desperately we need wisdom, and especially as we walk through life together. Is life uh, more complex or less than it was 50 years ago? You know, I'm not saying it's easier, because you had challenges certainly 50 years ago, but I would say it's far more complex because we have far more choices to make today than we used to. So we desperately need wisdom, especially if we are to admonish one another, to help each other course correct, which is essential in the body of Christ. Otherwise, we're going to see one another go off course. The good news is that when Scripture goes in, what comes out? Wisdom comes out. And then we are equipped to exercise godly admonishment. But there's even more, as you know, that comes out when Scripture goes in. Look again at Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, at first, I, even I scratched my head a bit and said, what on earth does music, especially musical worship, have to do with the ministry of admonishment? Think about that just for a second. What, what on earth is the connection between admonishing a brother or sister and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? It, it, it almost seems out of place. But in reality, I think it's very fitting. Be, because you see, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs speak of a heart that is oriented to God. It speaks of a heart that is oriented to God, which is hugely important in admonishment because what's admonishment all about? It's all about proper orientation. It's about course correction. It's about being on the right course. A person who overflows in worship is a person who likely is on the right course and oriented in the right direction. They are oriented toward God. So when you need admonishment, that's the kind of person you want, right? That's the kind of person that you want in your life who brings a word of admonishment because they are oriented toward God rather than someone who is singing the top 40 or whatever is most popular in the day. We need someone who can sing the truth of God by heart because that is the overflow of who they are and what they have ingested, what they have taken in. So when Scripture says, Scripture in, what comes out is wisdom, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, but there's even one more. Back to Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness. With thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now what does thankfulness have to do with admonishment? Well, I think overwhelmingly thankful people are humble people. That they are who they are by the grace of God. They're not people who think, I did this. I did this. I earned this. They're people who recognize that they were in desperate need of a Savior. Just like we talked about in past weeks, they they recognize their wretched condition without Jesus. And they recognize that it's by the grace of God and Jesus taking the initiative that they have been so marvelously and wonderfully saved. And so when you were admonished, you don't want some arrogant jerk coming alongside of you and telling, wagging their finger and telling you what you should and shouldn't do. No, you want a humble, thankful servant of God who gets it. 
You need someone with a gentle heart of thankfulness to speak the truth in love to you. And so, when Scripture goes in, these key elements that we desperately needed in admonishment, wisdom, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, thankfulness, those are what flows out from us, which are so critical to the ministry of admonishment. To gently and lovingly help our brothers and sisters with the ministry of course correction. So that is the message of admonishment. Now let's look at the ministry of admonishment because this, this isn't easy. I, I'm sure like a lot of you, I, I am conflict, confrontation averse. I don't want to admonish and I don't want to be admonished. All right? something about that that causes me to be defensive or scared or fearful, but it doesn't change the truth of God's Word, that this is to be the normal Christian life within the body of Christ, that we desperately need it, otherwise we will drift off course. So let's talk for a few minutes about how to admonish one another. How do we do this practically? And so here are some things I hope will be helpful to you and encouragement to give you some steps to do this. First of all, look in the church. Look in the church. Now, don't look in the church for opportunities to boss people around and tell them what they're doing wrong. That's not what I mean, okay? What I am saying is look in the church for meaningful relationships, for biblical community, people that you can walk with and will walk with you, people that you can do life with deeply together to have that kind of koinonia type of fellowship of sharing your life one with another. Again, no matter how introverted you may think you are, how much you don't think that you need that, God created you for this. This is not optional. We all need this. We were all made for this. Created in God's image. God lives in a triunity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We were made for meaningful relationship. So look in the church Look for people to do life deeply with together, to, to live out these one another's, because admonishment is not something that you do with a stranger or with someone that you casually know. Admonishment is someone, something that you do with a brother or a sister, because again, the fuller abundant life is lived in biblical community. And when I say look in the church for these relationships, it doesn't mean to sit back passively and to wait for them to come to you, because they won't. You need to do your part in pursuing these kinds of relationships, even though that's uncomfortable. But, you know, have you ever told your kids, you know, maybe they're having a hard time at school, hard time at recess or on the playground with friends or whatever. And, and you know, we, we've probably all said it one time or another. In order to have a friend, what do you got to do? Be a friend. It is no different for adults. It is no different for adults. And one place for us to look within the church for these kinds of relationships, let me just give you one option, is this discipleship group launch event that's coming up on Saturday, October 15th, 10 a.m. to noon, because I, I am firmly convinced as I continue to preach to you the importance and the value of discipleship groups, that it is in this context that ministries like admonishment happen best. So... Um, Number one, look in the church. Number two, look in the Word. Look in the Word. We've already discussed this at length, all right? The whole idea that Scripture goes in, wisdom, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, thankfulness, that's what comes out. These are key elements to the ministry of admonishment. Anything less than this is subjective, opinion, worldly garbage, 
Okay, instead we desperately need biblical truth. Number three, going through these quickly, I know some of these will land on a little bit longer. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. I love this picture I found. Does that look like anyone here? Yeah. (laughs) Before we admonish someone else, perhaps we need to admonish ourselves to make sure that our own house is in order. This cartoon, I think, captures that whole idea. LOL, you sure look stupid with that speck. It's amazing Willis could see a speck in Andy's eye with that big old beam in his own eye. And of course, you know, that's an illustration of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Now, these are probably the most often quoted verses in all the world, right? Even by people who aren't a part of the church. They know this verse. They know these verses. Um, And even by people within the church, people who know nothing about the Bible, they know these verses. And they use them to communicate the message that the way they live their lives is no business of yours. Don't judge. Don't judge. And again, sadly, that, is, that, that thinking has seeped into the church that, well, we, we're not supposed to judge each other. But that is a gross misinterpretation of the text. That's not what it says in context. That is not the full meaning because it continues in verse 4. Verse 4 says, Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? Now listen to verse 5. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. Why? And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The point of these verses is not that we are to never admonish one another. We're not, the the point is that we, I'm using double negatives here, I can't even say this right. The point is that we are to look in the mirror first and deal with the log in our own eye to take care of our own sin, to admonish ourselves so that with a humble heart, then we can go and lovingly admonish others and deal with their speck. Because I don't know about you, but a speck in the eye, it may seem like a small thing, but kind of like that one degree of drift, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So how to admonish one another? Look in the church for relationships that go deep, brothers and sisters, people that you can do life deeply with together. Number two, look in the Word to make sure that what is going in is what is coming out in wisdom, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs and thanksgiving. Look in the mirror to make sure that your heart is right. We're going to talk a little bit more about that right now, actually. Look in your heart is number four. Look in your heart. We have referenced Proverbs 27, verse 5 a few times recently because it relates to community, and here it is again. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. I love that that phrase, a sincere friend. A true friend who wants the best for you. 
and loves you so much that they are willing to take the risk of stepping on your toes and perhaps offending you, perhaps risking the relationship, but they love you so much that they're willing to take that risk because they see you drifting and they know it's heading nowhere good. Do you have those kinds of friends? Do you have those kinds of friends? You need them. I need them. We all need them. This is the word of the Lord. Friends who practice Ephesians 4.15, which says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. Now, one of the things I take away from this verse is that the ministry of admonishment is essential to spiritual growth and maturity. Look what it says. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. See how those two ideas are connected? When we speak the truth in love, even when it is hard truth, God uses it as an instrument of sanctification, making us more like Jesus. Now, why did God design us this way? Only God knows, but he did. This is a central key element to biblical community and operating together within the church. So when the church neglects the ministry of admonishment that is to take place within the context of biblical community, what's going to be the result? The church is going to be weak. It's going to be immature. It's not going to be able to stand strong when the wave of opposition comes against it. In contrast, Proverbs 27, 17, you know it well, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, you see that picture, some key elements of iron sharpening iron are friction, heat, all right, those are things that are necessary for that sharpening to take place. We know they need those kind of relationships where there is friction and there is heat, and ultimately that leads to sanctification when it is in the context of love. So how do we admonish one another? Look in the church, look in the word, look in the mirror, look in your heart. One last one, look in their eyes. Look in their eyes. Now, what do I mean by that? Listen carefully, church. Never ever practice the ministry of admonishment via text or email or social media. Oh, it just makes my skin crawl when I, I'll ask, hey, did you have that conversation with so-and-so? Oh yeah, I sent them a text. I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not the way to do it. It's easier to do it, but that's not the way to do it. Church, do something completely radical and countercultural. Have a real life conversation with someone face to face. Follow the example of Jesus, who did not send a text from heaven, but who came down physically to be with us, right? The ministry of admonishment should be exercised in the same way person to person, face to face in the flesh. And so, how to admonish one another? Look in the church for those relationships. Look in the Word to make sure that it is Scripture that is going in and Scripture that is coming out. Look in the mirror to check yourself to see if you first need to be admonished. Look in your heart to make sure that your motives are pure. And then look in their eyes. And then finally, 
the part that holds it all together, bathe it all in prayer. Bathe it all in prayer. Because we're, we're in some sensitive ground here, aren't we? And especially in our culture. I mean, nobody likes to be corrected. No, whose business is it? We, we, our natural inclination is to be defensive. And so, I, yeah, it's, it's a scary thing to go down the road of admonishment. But again, that's why those relationships matter so very much. We bathe it all in prayer because at the end of the day, it is only the Holy Spirit that can change a heart, right? And there's no guarantee that when you admonish someone that they will receive it well. But their response is not up to us. What is up to us is our obedience, that we follow through with what God has commanded us to do, and that we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. Therefore, pray for courage for yourself and pray for a receptive heart for the other person. And as Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Now, I'm going to close with this final thought. From Genesis 4-9, this is in the context of the aftermath of Cain murdering his brother Abel. It says this in Genesis 4-9, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Church, what's the answer to that question? The answer is yes. Yes, we are our brothers and our sisters' keeper. We are called to do life deeply together in biblical community, which includes the ministry of course correction, the ministry of admonishment. So would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, I'm sure that I'm not the only one that shies away from confrontation and conflict, from the friction that results when iron sharpens iron. And so we need your help. Um, perhaps we um, have just ignored some of these mandates in your word for perhaps decades and just said, yeah, that's, that's not for me. God, would you open our hearts and our minds to, to, to know that it is for us. It is an important part of us living together in biblical community that we could help one another course correct. God, I pray for those who are here this morning and the, the, the place for them to begin is, is looking within the church to build those kinds of relationships where the ministry of admonishment is normal and it's expected. God, where there are people who long for those kinds of connections, I pray that you would make divine appointments and make it possible for them very, very soon. And God, may we be a church that takes seriously the, the whole idea that we are the bride, the bridegroom is coming soon, and the bride's got some work to do in preparation. And God, I believe with all of my heart, an important part of that preparation is us admonishing one another just as you have commanded us. Make it so, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.